We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church in hot and humid uh, South St. Louis. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky. And yes, yes, I'm still up in Northfield, Minnesota, where it's not hot and it's not humid, Matt. <laughs> okay. Thanks for reminding me, John. Well, come on up and visit us. You know, we got a bedroom. We got an extra bedroom. You and Lisa I'm... are always welcome. That sounds so. tempting. It really does. <laughs> Hey, I want to begin, I, you know, every once in a while we'll have like a humorous antidote. And I want to start with a humorous antidote based on a true story, Matt. That's what's important about this. Okay. This is not something I made up. This is based on a true story. My wife, you know, used to be a principal. And uh, she was talking about how rough it was because uh, she'd have to get up early in the morning uh, before the sun had come up. <clears throat> she often had to dress in, in the dark and she would get to school and find out that she had her clothes on wrong. Oh no! Oh, no. She might, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> she might have her 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 her, dress, her skirt on backwards. One time, you know what a pencil skirt is, don't you, Matt? Uh, not, not exactly, John. Well, no, it's, it's very. It's like a pencil. It's it, it's very very tight. Okay, you know, okay. it's very up okay. and down, straight up and down. Okay, she okay. actually had that skirt on upside down, <laughs> and she wondered why it kept trying to fall off her hips, and she thought, oh. I've got it on upside down. <laughs> so, so you know, we were talking about the age-old debate about who's really got the more intellect, men or women. And I said, well, there's the proof, Lynn. There's the proof. No man would ever put his clothes on backwards. And her response was, she said, well, yeah, that's true. Even in the dark, we still get our pants on correctly. But she said, that's because you really can't put men's clothes on wrong, Right. Think about it, Matt. Can, can you put your pants on uh, upside down? Upside down, no, no. No, no. <laughs> Thanks to the zipper, you know, you can't, you can't put them on backwards. And she said, so what I think, this is Lynn speaking now, what I think is that years ago there was a woman seamstress who was designing men's clothes, and she knew if she didn't make it that way that men would never have their clothes on correctly. <laughs> <laughs> They're foolproof. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and so first I, I scoffed at her, which is, by the way, the operative word for today. We'll get back to scoffing. I scoffed at her and said, no, no, that's there's no truth to that at all. But then later that week, I, I had my underwear on inside out. So I thought, well, <laughs> maybe she's right, Matt. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. I, <laughs> thanks for sharing, John. I love the intimate relationship we have with our listeners that we can... <laughs> Talk about her inside out. Even talk about her inside out underwear. <laughs> and that, that that is that's actually a true story. I'm not. Oh no. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, uh. Matt, <laughs> it's what are we doing? What are we doing this summer? We have something special. Tell the oh, people. Oh boy, yeah. what are we doing this summer? We are looking at the Psalms, John. We are looking at uh, the Psalms, that book in the Bible that I think sometimes is overlooked, especially when it comes to our preaching. I mean. You know, really, when's the last time, you know, a, your typical pastor preached on a psalm? Um, we might preach on Psalm 23 for a funeral or, 
you know, Psalm 46, you know, that God is our refuge and strength. Maybe that comes up during the Reformation. But I think sort of week in and week out, we, we preach on the gospel, maybe an epistle, even the Old Testament, but the Psalms sort of get overlooked. So I'm I'm excited, John, for the summer for us to spend a little time uh, talking about the Psalms here and wrestling with the basics and really seeing the treasures that they are uh, as part of God's holy word. And, and how many Psalms are we going to do, man? So, well, if we want to do the whole thing. Um, I want to do the whole thing. Oh, well, the whole I thing. want every bit of the psalm okay. that we can get. All right. Well, not we'll, a whole 150 of gotcha. them. Gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah. but how many did you have? Yes, you we will not do the whole psalter, all 150. But yeah. um, I think we could probably tackle eight. And and the reason okay. I say eight is there's, you know, depending on how you classify them, there's sort of eight main categories of psalms. So we'll look at eight main categories of psalms, and we'll zero in on a one psalm in each category that sort of typifies that type of psalm. Um, so we started last time with uh, Psalm 1, and we were looking at uh, psalms of wisdom, psalms of wisdom. And, 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 and so technically we're supposed to be on, Psalm 2 is the next one we're doing, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I want to go back to Psalm 1. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's another true story. Uh, shortly after we, we recorded the Psalm 1, uh, Lynn and I are listening to a series of essays written by C.S. Lewis, and uh, much to my surprise, he had an essay about the Psalms, of all oh, things. Oh, nice. Good timing. Um, and and uh, uh, please, uh, C.S. Lewis, I don't, I don't agree with everything he says, but he does say some really, really fine things. And he made an interesting comment about the Psalms, uh, that the people who wrote the Psalms, so I think this will be applicable to Psalm 1 and also to all the Psalms, that while they are our ancestors, in the sense that God had revealed things to these Jewish people that he had not revealed to the Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians. Uh, and, and these revelations that he gave to these Jewish people, we, we share those revelations. Although, to pick up a term now, not from C.S. Lewis, but from Paul, the Jewish people had all these things as a shadow. Remember that passage in Colossians, these things are just a shadow. And we have the reality, which is in Jesus Christ. And I got to thinking about that as we read the Old Testament uh, in general, and the Psalms in particular, we need to remember that, that they just have shadows. Um, for example, they don't know that you're supposed to address God as Father. Um, although, Matt, did you see the article now where there was some Anglican bishop that said maybe we shouldn't be calling, praying our Father? Did you see? Uh, I don't even want to get in that. I'm sorry. I don't know why I got off to that. <laughs> It's ah, crazy, but yeah. Oh, I know, John. You know, yeah. rewriting creeds and all sorts of different things going oh, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, uh, let's no. not even get into that. That's even crazier. That the, the what is it? The sparkle creed. Well, the spark. Yeah. I. Oh, yep. Man. I came across that too. One of our members shared that with me, and I thought, Oh, yeah. what in the world? Come on. The Apostles' Creed. We use that for, you know, <laughs> seventeen hundred years. It's based on scripture. Why uh, write something that's kind of our own thinking and, and not based on scripture. Anyway, and, and if so you've seen it, it's just, it's, it's, anyway, you, you almost think that they're making a joke with it. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we should do an episode. Sometime we'll have to do an episode about the concern people have for the wording. But, but anyway, they didn't know. That wouldn't have been a problem for them because they didn't know you're supposed to address God as Father. Uh, they didn't even know about the resurrection for sure. They argued, they debated about the resurrection from the dead. Uh, so I'm just saying that there are things that God has revealed to us that they didn't know. And so when you read the Psalms, you have to read that there may be some things there that seem odd to us, but that's because they don't have 
the reality that is Jesus Christ. And in fact, oh, when we get into the next one, it's the Messianic Psalm we're going to do next. Right? Yes, that's right, Psalm 2. So there are some things you say, how do they know that? You know, we know that because we know the story of Jesus. But see, that's the thing too. The Holy Spirit is inspiring these men. So even though they themselves may not totally, it's a shadow, as Paul says, and yet somehow this clarity still comes through. And, and there's the evidence that this is more than just some Hebrew poet. This is indeed the very inspired word of God. But here's my concern. I went back and read over Psalm 1, and it actually sounds like to me like, like a Pharisee could have written that psalm. Could, could you see a Pharisee saying things like, you know, blessed is a man who walks in the not not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Can you see a Pharisee saying those words? Man? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, 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 you bet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, to delight in the law of the Lord. To sit, you know, uh, yes, not stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do that, right? Um, sure, John. So is that... Now, by the way, I also was surprised... Because we usually think of David as the author of most of the Psalms. But am I correct? We don't know who wrote Psalm 1, right? Uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So this I'm is thinking, one of those that's unknown. Isn't that strange that you would start the books associated with David and you start with an unknown Psalm? We don't yeah. even know who, who yeah. wrote it. Um, well, well, anyway, so here's my question. And, and, and I know this is an unfair question because I've actually had two weeks to study and think about this, and I'm throwing this to you without any preparation. Is there anything in the psalm you think that would, would, would say, though, this isn't the psalm of a Pharisee? Well, I think, well, first of all, I think one thing to affirm is, um, you know, things like walking, uh, not walking in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, not seeing the seat of scoffers, but delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on his law, and remember the word law, there is Torah. So meditating yes. on his word, we could even say more broadly, uh, day and night. You know, those things aren't bad things, right? I mean, no. we don't want to sit no. in the seat of scoffers. We do want to meditate on the law of the Lord, the, the word of the Lord, day and night. Those are good things. Uh, but uh, where the, the Pharisees go wrong is that becomes their trust, right? Yes. Um, they're, they're delighting in God's law and meditating on that. That becomes their reason for hope, their reason for for salvation even, right? And we'd say, well, no, that's taking that too far. So so these are good salutary things in the psalm. These things are things we should strive to do. We should meditate on the word of the Lord. But, you know, that that is not where our hope is placed. Um, no, our hope is placed ultimately, you know, for us, you know, revealed in the New Testament again, uh, in Jesus Christ, of course. Yeah. So, so the thing is with the Pharisees is for them it becomes a thing of pride. Yeah, yeah this well is put. Me. Yeah, it's, it's I, a I, word. This is, it's pride. This is, yeah. this is why I'm going to be blessed because, you know, this yes. is the things I do. But there are some things in there that if, you're, if, any, of the, if any Pharisees are listening to us <laughs> and, and you're thinking, well, yeah, I, I say that. That's how I begin my day. I say that psalm. And I'm so thank God that I'm not like other sinners, you know, the sinners here. But, but there's some things I thought might be disturbing if you're a Pharisee. Isn't it interesting? What <clears throat> when you think of wickedness, what are the things that come to your mind? What are the things that pop right in that are associated with the word wickedness? Oh yeah, with well, sin, right? Wickedness. You know, they're especially the bad sins, right, John? Yeah. You know, the ones that the ones that we well, come on, jail come on, for. Matt. You know what they are? 
Oh, like, yeah. But, but mean, what are the bad sins? So, yeah, things sins? like adultery, uh, yeah. you know, idol worship, uh, murder, you know, those those wicked, really, really bad things. And, and yet in verse 1 of Psalm 1, what is the key thing that is emphasized? What is it that the wicked and the sinners do? They sit in the seat yeah, of... Yes, yeah, sit in the seat of scoffers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stand in the way of sinners. So see, see how that ties in with my introduction. I just wanted you to see it because I scoffed. I scoffed. Oh, yeah. Quiet. Yeah, there's the scoff connection. Okay. Thank you, Jack. So I'm making a segue we there. Come full uh, circle. Yeah. But, but, but then I'm thinking, wouldn't that describe a Pharisee? Isn't what they spend most of their time doing is scoffing? <laughs> <laughs> it's in their job description. <laughs> what, what, no, seriously, they, they, they scoff. They scoff at the, the disciples for eating on the Sabbath day, for not washing their hands before they eat. They scoff at Jesus for healing the sick on the Sabbath day. They scoff at Jesus for eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. Oh, at the cross. They spend their whole time doing nothing but, but scoffing. Scoffing. All right. Uh, but let me, let me put a twist on that now, though. Doesn't Jesus scoff at them? Does he? Because he says, oh, you whited sepulchers, you blind leading the blind. Isn't that scoffing? Yep, yep. He puts them in their place, that's for sure. So what's the difference there? Why is that not scoffing? And what the Pharisees did is scoffing. <laughs> well, I think, you know, part of it, I think, is the scoffing is equated with also, you know, it's it's all in a line here. So it yeah. says, uh, Bless the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So in this context... You know, wickedness and sinning is equated with scoffing. Yes. So if, if your scoffing is wicked, if your scoffing is sinful, like the Pharisees was, well, then, yeah, your scoffing's bad. But if your scoffing is is a righteous scoffing, I guess you, we could say, maybe that's a new term, John, um, like Jesus kind of scoffing, well, then, yeah, that that's, that's a good scoffing, right? It's a good speaking of the law to someone, which is necessary. Uh, but if your scoffing is, yeah, if it's equated with sinning and wickedness, well, then yeah, that's that's a bad scoffing. So, so I really like that thought, Matt. So, so when Jesus scoffs, like you say, he's actually using the law, trying to get these men to realize that they are sinners and that they are wicked and that they do need to repent. Yes. It's, it's all out of love, really. Exactly. Not, yeah. Yes. Uh, and and when they scoff, however, it's because they just they just despise people, they hate people, they're angry at people. And, and you know the other thing too, and, and they're scoffing. They come from a position of power, right? They're the guys in control, uh, uh, which is why they so freely scoff at tax collectors and sinners, uh, uh, because they're the weak. You know, they're they're the people that are they're oppressed. Uh, I wonder if it doesn't also relate to that whole concept that Paul talks about that we need to know whether we're dealing with someone who's strong someone who's weak and, and mm -hmm, with the weak mm -hmm. then we we are we, we are very very gentle and we maybe even bend to to their things even though we know they're right if they if they want to eat uh, if they don't want to eat meat offered to idols well okay we, we won't you can do it but we won't do it for their sake um the, the comedians matt i i, I just because I, I listen to comedians they talk about punching up or punching down mm -hmm. uh, and, and do you have any idea what they mean by that yeah, so are, are you yeah, putting someone down or in your comedy or or not? So, uh, yeah, you, go ahead and elaborate on it, John. Well, well so, so there are people that are weak. There are people that are, are struggling, that are helpless, that they're sure. in the minority. So you don't make fun of them. 
that's that's not right. You know, they don't have any way to defend themselves. But now the big and the powerful, sure, we'll we'll make fun of them. We'll we'll punch them because we know they can punch us back if they want to. We know that they're strong and they'll stand. Uh, and that's that's what you do in comedy. You 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 punch up at the people who are self righteous, you might say. Uh, but for the people that are struggling, the, the dimly burning wicks and the bruised reeds that the Bible speaks about. Well, you don't know, no, you never you never make fun of them because because they are so fragile, and you don't know what would happen if you do that. Well, anyway, that was one thing that struck me. Uh, yeah, Pharisees, you, you are scoffers, so maybe you are also. Uh, walking in the counsel of the wicked. Maybe you are standing in the way of sinners. Here's the other thing, though. The delight is in the law of the Lord. And it occurred to me, they don't delight in, in, in the Word of God. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think, Matt? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. You bet. I mean, if, if the true delight was in God's Word, well, then they would they would embrace Jesus. <laughs> and that, yeah. That's the next psalm, the Messianic <laughs> psalm. You know, if, if that's if that's truly their delight is in God's Word, well, then, yeah, they would they would seek Jesus Christ and the Messiah. But yet, yeah, their delight is really in themselves. I mean, they're looking at themselves and their own keeping of the law. That's what their delight is in. Yeah, so he says that, Jesus says that you've taken the traditions of men, right? And you've, you've given them an authority they don't deserve. That's what you're concerned about, your, your traditions. Uh, and the only reason you search the scriptures is because you're looking for things to back up your traditions. You don't really search them for what they have to say because they, they speak of me, Jesus says, right? That's what you should be finding, as you just said, Matt. You should be finding Jesus. So I thought, well, so there you go. So their delight really isn't in the law of the Lord. As you said, their delight is in their rules and regulations and in their traditions. And then just this morning, as I was getting ready to, to have this discussion with you, I thought about verse 5. Verse 5. Yeah. You want to read that? Sure. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And the story that immediately came to my mind is the story of the Pharisee and the sinner. Uh, you, you remember that story, Matt? Yeah, so they're both there uh, worshiping, right? The Pharisee, the, 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 the tax collector, and, you know, the Pharisee is a self-righteous and literally standing, right, John? Yeah. Uh, thanking God that he's not like this sinner, right? Um, and enumerating the good things that he's done. Well, the sinner, this tax collector, he's humbly coming before the Lord, acknowledging his sin uh, there in prayer uh, and repentance. Yeah, and, and in fact, what struck me is in the text, it's very specific that the Pharisee is standing, yeah. but that the other man is not standing. He's he's off in the corner kneeling. He's saying, uh, have mercy on me, the, the sinner. Of course, that's a big thing people point out. It's not just I'm a sinner, but I am the sinner. And so it occurred to me, I bet that's why the psalm doesn't say the wicked, the wicked will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. Because yeah, the wicked do. They do. And they stand tall. And they want everyone to know how good and righteous they are. Thank God I'm not like this other man, uh, the Pharisee says. But no, no, the, the psalmist is correct. The, the sinner does not stand in the congregation of the righteous. The sinner uh, will be off in the corner, uh, kneeling with his head bowed, because he knows that's what he is. He knows he has no right there to be in the congregation of the righteous. However, it's at this point that we begin to understand that the word righteous there, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, the word righteous there isn't the way the Pharisees would have thought of it, is it, Matt? 
No. <laughs> I think they're going to be surprised, you know, and um, the uh, I think, you know, as you read verses five and six, John, um, the wicked not standing in the judgment, sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, there's that word, yeah. but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, and I think this really points us forward, you know, even the New, even the Old Testament points us forward finally to Christ's return, right? To the yes. last day, to the judgment. And won't some be surprised, <laughs> perhaps, when uh, some who maybe thought themselves to be righteous, or maybe we thought they were pretty righteous because, boy, they put on a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yet, uh, God knows their heart. He knows the heart and the way of the wicked will perish. He knows the way of the righteous. God does. But the way of the wicked, that, that will, they will perish. <laughs> and, and so it becomes another example of where they're still in a shadow. They're still in a shadow. Although, even in the Old Testament, they know what righteousness really is. They know that righteousness is not what works we do. I mean, the works we do is the fruit. It's the fruit of the righteousness we have. Um, and that righteousness, of course, is, is faith that God is a God of mercy and a God of said steadfast love. I love that word in the Old Testament, uh, that he is a God of, of forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and, and see, Habakkuk knew that, right? What's he say? The righteous will live by faith, he says. And, of course, that's picked up then again in the New Testament. Um, and, and so and they understood that in the Old Testament. They understood what their righteousness was. But, again, man, we have it so much better, don't we, Matt? Because we, we know it. We've seen it in what Jesus Christ has done. And we've seen it because, as, as you pointed out earlier, in love— he didn't scoff at Pharisees, but he knew these guys were all going to go to hell. And my goodness, if you know someone's going to go to hell, then in love you probably do say some pointed things to them. Um, and yet at the same time, you know what I love about Jesus is Pharisees would come to him like 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 uh, Paul and like uh, Nicodemus, and, and it's what he said, I, I'll never turn anyone away. I'll never turn anyone away, not even a Pharisee, uh, you know. Because that's 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 where the real righteousness is. It's the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for letting me go back to uh, oh, yeah. Psalm one. Anything else you want to add about Psalm one? No, great insight, Sean. I, you know, you mentioned Habakkuk and righteousness by faith, and I, I think too Abraham's example in, oh, back in Genesis yeah. that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. You know, it didn't say Abraham was a really great person and that was counted to him as righteousness. You know. No, it wasn't about his works. It wasn't about even how well he kept the law, but he believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness, that righteousness that comes uh, by faith. And then when we read this psalm, John, you know, kind of on the, the other side of uh, the New Testament, um, we, you know, when I read the way of the righteous, God knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, you know, I can't help but think of Jesus then, you know, this way yeah. of the righteous, when, where Jesus, I mean, literally is the way of the righteous. You know, John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, this idea that Jesus himself, walking in his ways by faith, that is that is righteousness. It's it's him. It's Jesus. And we, we were blessed, like you said, to be on this side of the gospel um, and, and to see that fulfillment in Christ. So, so no shadows for us. We have the reality that is in Christ. And, and 
just as one sidelight, because this is going to come up again, I'm sure, as we go through these eight psalms, I, I hope all of our listeners remember that when you hear the word law in, in the psalms, that that is actually the word Torah, which, which it is. It is the commandments of God. No one's telling you you should go out and murder and kill and steal. No, no, no one wants. That's not good, I think. But, but the word law is actually the complete revelation of God, which would certainly include what you just mentioned. Uh, the fact that the righteous live not by their works, but by faith. That Abraham is accepted by God, not because he did holy things. He did a lot of unholy things recorded in the scripture. But what he did is he trusted in God and God's love and forgiveness in all he did. God grant that we will have that same trust and righteousness. This has been Wrestling with the Basics.